Good afternoon. Whilst I'm, whilst I'm kind of giving, uh, giving us a couple of seconds just to settle. Um, <clears throat> yes, I know I'm aware that a few people have stepped out to go grab a bite or something, anticipating a longer break. But um, at the same time, I um, just want to thank God for, the, for us being here today and, um, you know, for the opportunity to stand before you and declare his words. Um, during the week, uh, Pastor... I think it was last week during the members meeting and during the week as well, for a couple of weeks we've been speaking now about a prior engagement, speaking engagement that he had somewhere away from here. So this week um, there's, a bit of a, there's a pause on the mini-series to do with prayer. Um, I had actually planned uh, to prepare something along those lines and um, preach that and use the opportunity as well to teach and teach us both how to pray and how to study the Bible. But um, a few things just brought us to consider challenges, challenges that a growing church um, could face and experience somewhat similar to where we're at right now at Ecclesia. Um, so this afternoon, as we just kind of skip and hop through a couple of chapters in the Acts of the Apostles, um, we will be looking at, indeed, some how we overcome the challenges, overcome some challenges that are experienced by a growing church. I mean, when we think about a church that's growing and one that is experiencing growth, I guess the things that come to mind for most of us would, would immediately be, okay, numerical strength in terms of, okay, looking across the room and seeing all these seats filled with, with people. But um, what does God really have in mind when you're looking at the church growing? Of course, we'll see in, I mean, in today's uh, passage where, where I'm, I'm going to be focusing on Acts chapter 4. Um, and taking us just really on a panoramic view through Acts chapter 4 and a couple of scenes there. So, just before we go into that, how about we have a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, we just thank you. I want to thank you indeed because us being here, us gathered here together, even as believers in Christ, is your doing. 
We haven't brought this about by our own effort, by our own strength. You are the one who continues to draw people to yourself. You're the one who continues to add people to the church. You're the one who continues to build people up. And in fact, <laughs> at the very fundamental, the very barest, Lord God, you're the one who indeed brings to birth every new believer. And so this afternoon, Lord, even as we um, take a quick drive through um, the acts, help us, Lord God, to see even those challenges that we face right now and indeed how you overcome them, how you deal with them, how you resolve them, Lord, um, as we look at overcoming challenges of a growing church. All right. Uh, I'm not putting up any displays, any uh, visuals this afternoon, intentionally so, but if, 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 you, can, if you can follow along, I'll, I'll actually just be staying in Acts chapter 4 and skip through verses as we do. Um, can I urge you as well just to follow along in your Bibles? as we um, walk through this, you know. Um, yeah, overcoming some challenges, challenges of a growing church. And as I said in the introduction, we think sometimes in terms of number, in terms of, I mean, immediately when you talk to me about, if, if I think about growing church, I'm thinking, okay, people. But, in what sense? Whose idea it is the church? Who is it that starts or that started the church and um, what is it he's about? So just as we skip through um, some passages in the Acts of the Apostles, and if you have your Bibles there, please look with me at a couple of challenges. There are a few of them I'm going, just going to touch on. Challenges with regard to expressing our belief. Challenges with regard to... Um, challenges with regard to expressing the grace of God and challenges also with regard to our identity as believers. So, just beginning in Acts chapter 4, um, we read in Acts chapter 4, just as that chapter opens, um, if you read along with me, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection from the dead in Jesus, came up to them. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse 4 says, but many believed of those who had heard the, the, the message, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Talk about a challenge there. What's going on is already the church has begun. This church um, comprises of believers. Initially, we read in the Acts of uh, the Apostles in chapter 1, of a number of about 120 people, including 
Peter, James, John, the 11 disciples, and the Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, Jesus' brothers, and some women not named, but number of them about 120. And these had just returned from having seen Jesus ascend into heaven. And one very popular and very familiar passage that uh, you'll hear me repeat today is Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. If I can just read that and ask you to have a look as well. At this time at the ascension, the disciples are asking Jesus Christ. This is Jesus who's raised from the dead already. So I paraphrase, what next? Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they were expecting a kingdom. They were expecting the nation of Israel, just like us now expecting and anticipating Brexit. Are we in or are we out? 31st of October. They were, they had, they were looking for some certainty with regard to what was happening with the church. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, is this exactly what's going on here? Back to Acts chapter 4. Well, they're experiencing challenge already. Christ has talked to them, talked to them about being witnesses and bearing witness to him uh, in, Judea, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, the, what, the region where Jer Jerusalem is, in Samaria, and in all of the earth. And here they encounter a group of people, Sadducees in particular, who say there is no resurrection. I'm not sure if you've been there where, whether it's at work, whether it's out on the streets, the bus stand in the town center, expressing what you believe as, as a Christian. And you find somebody stepping up to you and saying, hey, what's that you're saying? That's really distressing stuff. You know, you can't say things like that. This is the 21st century. Well, these guys are experiencing challenge. And here they find themselves arrested and put in jail until the next day. Humanly speaking, this is scary stuff. I don't know if any of you has ever been arrested. Just being arrested, even innocently, is, is scary enough. But here being arrested for what you believe and for professing what you believe is perplexing. But this is something Jesus had spoken about beforehand. That they will be dragged off, they'll be arrested. I'll talk about that in a minute. And the question I pose and throw to us here as believers and as part of a church, as part of this same church that Jesus has already commissioned and started off, is, is this a challenge that we have to face as believers? Are we going to face persecution? Are we going to face being 
the risk of being arrested for declaring our faith, declaring what we, what we believe? Why do we ask this question? I think we felt it necessary and needful and apt at this time to put that question out there. Um, it's not just a question Mikey would be interested in asking or putting out there whether we will face the challenge of expressing what we believe. But is this also an example for us to follow where we see these guys declaring their faith, declaring what they believe and being arrested for it? Or is expressing our faith or what we believe just an optional extra that we can avoid and leave for just a few? Don't worry, you got it, you know. And, but look what's happening here. These disciples, the, the apostles, obediently preach, um, and look what happens. Verse 4 says, but many believed. Of those who had heard the message, many believed. And the number uh, of the men came to be about 5,000. If you have read the Acts of the Apostles before, um, just before this, this passage, you would find that the, the, the number of believers was just about 3,000, and now it's, it's swelled to 5,000 because some went out and expressed what they believe. But that's not all. Um, otherwise, I'll be merely saying it's good to be obedient to God. You know, on the next day, these guys are arraigned before the, the rulers. I mean, look who's there, the who's who of um, holy royalty in Jerusalem. Looking at verse 5 of chapter 4. On the next day, the rulers, the elders, the scribes, the high priests, and some of the big wigs are all there. It's like coming to a big trial. I mean, so when I'm driving past uh, Belmarsh prisons, because I live around there, there's cameras and everything. I know something big's going on. Okay, this is, a, this is a high profile one. Somebody important must be in there on trial. And it's like here, everyone's present to hear what are these, what's going on in Jerusalem. But like something out of a Westminster inquiry, verse 7 says, when they had placed them in the center of all these big wigs, they began to inquire. Acts chapter 4, verse 7, please follow. They began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? By what power or in what, in what name have you done this? Because these guys were preaching. And before now, uh, a man who was lame had been made whole. And these guys are curious to know by what power or what name they'd done this. And Peter, Acts chapter 4 verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, 
if we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man was, has been made well, do you see what is happening here? Did you see the lights go on in verse 8 for Peter? The guy's filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to answer, begins to respond, addressing the question, of course. Remember, we read earlier on, Jesus said, you will receive power. And the guy's filled and responds when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he answers, let it be known, verse 10, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, and he lays it into these guys, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Check it. This seems bold. This seems audacious. This seems daring. But in the, in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter responds. Not in his ability. Not in his own strength. Otherwise, I could easily say to every one of us, yeah, you too can do this. So get up. Get going. Go and, go and declare what you believe and you'll do just fine. Maybe take the same lines that Peter uses as well. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, he rises up to the occasion. And... This is something that is still a challenge for us today. Again, yet again, I declare it. And this is a call for all Christians to make. To make it known. The name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. To declare salvation in his name. Do you believe otherwise? Do you believe this is something for others to do? Does that pose a problem for you? Look back again in verse 8. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and responded in affirming the name of Jesus Christ, being the one, being the power, being the name in which uh, this man is made whole and declaring that there is salvation in no one else because there is no other name that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Quick question. I don't know how many of you have heard of um, a guy called Felix Ngoli or Felix Ngoli. In 2016, just engaged in a debate on Facebook over... Um, I think there was, a, there was a, a court clerk in the United States who got imprisoned for refusing to, to go through with a same-sex marriage, and she got arrested in Kentucky. And this guy had a debate. A social, uh, is he a social work student? Yeah, in the University of Sheffield. And he engaged in debate, posted the Bible verse on Facebook in 2015, Come 2016, another student shopped him to the university and he got expelled from university for declaring 
just, just for citing Bible passage, just for expressing what he believes. Hmm. In, there's another, a more recent case. Um, there's a, an actress called Sheyi Omoba. These are actual people. <laughs> and she was a fledgling actress, fledgling, fledgling actress, acting in a, got a key role in a play called uh, Seely. Don't know if anybody goes to theater and has seen that. But for citing a Bible passage on, on Facebook, uh, expressing what the Bible says about homosexuality and same-sex relations, she got dropped from the cast whilst attending um, a ceremony, an honor ceremony in Buckingham Palace with her father. But these people freely express their faith. Experiencing these kinds of things in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the society where we live, would that be a signal for us to Okay, I better, you know, put my head below the parapet and be careful what I say about what I believe? Or would that be a signal to actually stand up and declare the, that there is salvation in no one else because there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved? Will we dare to stand for Jesus Christ? <clears throat> Quickly moving on in verse 13, I'm making a point of this. As this trial carried on, when these guys heard the response of the apostles, they saw the confidence of Peter and John. These guys are confident. I know we've seen Mark Zuckerberg stand or sit down in the houses of, in Westminster and face inquiries, I think, when they had this Cambridge Analytica thing. But imagine unlearned guys sitting down there, facing questions, and answering them confidently. This is what it was like. Confidently answering entire holy bigwigs in Jerusalem. And just see two members of the panel whispering to each other, recognize that guy. Wasn't that the one that your maiden said was with Jesus who denied vehemently during the crucifixion or the arrest. And they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Listen, the point is this. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes being with God, the Holy Spirit. It takes God with us to testify about Jesus and to overcome this challenge of expressing what we believe, expressing our faith in Christ freely, both to those outside, to those who don't believe, and even to those who are within these circles. I know it may, look like we were, it may look like one of those things that, oh, it's just, a passing, it's just a passing phase where we'd stand up front here and encourage you, encourage one another, share your testimony, 
have you come to faith in Jesus Christ with a couple of people in here? Guess what? This is a safe place to rehearse. This is a safe place to practice. This is a safe place to grow and exercise our spiritual muscle in, in Christ and declare our faith in Jesus Christ. Not because that's what everybody else here believes. You'd be surprised. Some don't. But because you really have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because you believe God is with you. Because you know God is with you. Because you know you're a child of God. Because you know what difference God has made in your life. You know what you were when you were lost. You know what you are now that you're saved. You know Christ has transformed your life. So, it's um, not an optional extra. It's a challenge to face. It's, a con it's, a, it's really a challenge to face to actually express um, what you believe in Christ. And that is something we can do with God in us, God with us, the one who Christ declares um, will be with us, and when we receive him, we will be, we'll be witnesses of him even in our Jerusalem, right where we're at, and beyond. I mean, if you want to find out a bit more about these people I've um, just talked about, real people, uh, you can visit Christian Concern, Christian Concern's website. Christian Concern, they're a para, para church or paralegal organization that fight the case for, um, fight Christian rights in the public space, Christian Concern. And you see other cases currently going on there. I tell you, these, these testimonies and accounts will be encouraging, encouraging to you, especially if you're challenged when it comes to declaring what it is you believe. Well, <clears throat> God bear witness to their testimony, um, as we see. And quickly moving on, um, to verse 19, Acts chapter 4. These guys had just given Peter and uh, John a challenge. After conferring, you know, find a friend, ask, what shall we do with these guys? Seeing that we have somebody who's right here. A real living testimony to the power of God at work, to what they're preaching. What shall we do? They commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus Christ, not to teach or preach in his name. <laughs> it's interesting the questions that they put back to them. All that by the power of God, by the Spirit of God giving them utterance and declaring, you know what? Rather than agree um, with what they've been instructed to do, in verse 19, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to heed you, to you 
rather than to God, you be the judge. In other words, who are you saying we should obey between you and God? You answer that question. You know, and when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis to punish them on account of the people. Get something. Our society is such that it doesn't encourage Christian profession. It doesn't encourage Christian faith. It's interesting that we're, um, that I can see everyone who's here today and just, you know, drill and drive that point home. Perhaps um, God would have this point made that, look, however little the profession is, however little it is you declare and stand for Jesus, God will be glorified and he will glorify himself. Just take the message and deliver it. Leave the rest to God. Because when they had threatened these guys further, verse 21, um, they feared doing anything to them on account of the people because they were glorifying God for what had happened. Okay. Another challenge. Let me quickly move forward. I'm pressing through just an account of time. In... From Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, um, right through to most of Acts chapter 5, there's a second challenge there, a challenge of expressing the grace and the kindness of God, a challenge of expressing the grace and kindness of God, even as believers. As I, as I was coming in this morning, I recognized something. I don't know if you've been out there where people just approach you on the street and want something from you, and if... I don't know how they just clock this, but, oh, are you a Christian, brother? You know, that's an opening line. <laughs> it's kind of like you answer yes, and boy, you're supposed to carry the load of every demand and everything that, that this person wants and give it to them straight away, you know? And I'm thinking, boy, <laughs> Where, where were Christians expected to carry this serious burden and this load? But when you look through this account now, you, you think, hmm, there may be some sense to it, but even albeit twisted, but there may be some sense to it. Reading from 4.32, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, And the congregation of those who believed were, one, were of one heart and one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. Um, <clears throat> maybe that's where they got the idea from. <laughs> but all things were common property to them. And the apostles were with great power, giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there wasn't a needy person among them. Uh, for all who were owners of land, houses, and so on, sold brought the proceeds, distributing to everyone as they had need. Let me make some point very, very clear at this point. Look, uh, this, is, this new fellowship abounded in grace, in the grace of Jesus Christ, and people held their possessions loosely, okay? Choosing to help meet the need of others, who were destitute among them. That's what's going on, 
okay? No one's preaching here. All right. Uh, as you leave church today, drop your car keys, drop your house keys, leave your wallets and everything. It all belongs to the church. That's, that's not the point. Scripture's not talking about That's not the point at all, okay? But um, so what's going on here? Um, in verse 36, there's from verse 34, 436 to chapter 5 and verse 13, there's two contrasts. We're going to just have a look at that and then maybe rest it there today. From verse 36, there's a guy called Joseph, or popularly known as Barnabas, the son of encouragement. This guy sells a tract of land, sells a piece of land, and um, brings the proceeds, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. So he sells it. It's his own. He sold it. He brought the money. Nobody, you know, strong-armed him and brought him to the apostles, and he gave it over. All right? Generally, as we read, people were selling their belongings. They weren't ordered to do it. I guess I'm beating that point dead. But verse chapter 5, there's an, here's another uh, example or another case. But in contrast, verse 5 verse 1, in contrast to this, in contrast to what Joseph and everybody else were doing, this guy named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and they kept back some of the, of the price for themselves. Now, quick question. He's allowed to do that, isn't he? Hello? Yeah, he's allowed to do that. Why? I mean, why is this an issue? Why is Scripture recording this? Why is Scripture pointing this out? Well, we get to see verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, with me, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? I mean, we see the answer to the question I was asking just now. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? It did. After it was sold, was it not under your control? It was. Um, why is it that you've conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. What's the difference? I mean, we don't see anything saying to us that um, Ananias told anybody what the price of the, of the land was, do we? We don't see anything suggesting that. We don't see anything saying everybody came and just pledged what they were going to give and then had to come back later and redeem it. We see things like that later in other accounts in Scripture, but not here. So what's going on? Well, a couple of things kind of help us to see this, see what's going on here. Whereas with... Um, Barnabas, right there, there's a, there's a flow of thought. Everything is going on. God's working in great power. There's fellowship. There's, there's genuine fellowship going on. There's something about this that's just not right. Um, 
we read in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talking about doing our acts of piety, you know, your prayer, when you pray, when you give, doing these things in such a way that you're doing them not to be seen of men, not like the hypocrites, not like those who do it to get, not like those who pray to be seen like, wow, man, that guy is a serious prayer warrior. That brother can pray. Sure. If I want somebody to pray for me, that would be the guy. But we see here with um, Ananias and Sapphira, see what's happened. Great fear came over all the church after this event. Well, Peter's asking Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You know, these are the kind of questions that when Jesus Christ was with the disciples, when Jesus Christ was facing Pharisees, he'd be right there in the synagogue and somebody's trying to see. It's a Sabbath day. There's a lame guy in front of Jesus. And they're watching, is he going to heal? And Jesus goes, let me ask you, which is better to forgive someone's sin or make or heal the man? Which one is easier to say your sin's forgiven and things like that? Who can do things like that if not somebody who knows all things? If not someone who knows all even the very thoughts of men. And here, remember, Jesus has already spoken about the power that, these, that the church would receive. Jesus has, Jesus has spoken about the, the church receiving the Holy Spirit. Jesus has talked about the church receiving the Holy Spirit and so being able to bear witness to him. But here, what's going on? Ananias obviously has become, has joined in, has, has mingled in with part, of, has become part of the believers. And yes, experienced even the things of the Holy Spirit, but having purpose to do something, did otherwise. But we don't see anything saying to us that that's what he did, except that God reveals that to us in Scripture, in showing Peter, hey, check with this guy. This is what he, you know, ask him what he intended to do. So here, it's like Ananias was bringing, Ananias and Sapphira just were bringing this offering just to be in with everybody else. This is what they do. Oh, this is what they're doing in fellowship. Oh, everybody's selling land and bringing the monies. Okay, let's, let's do too and do as if that's what we really are doing. But God spots that and puts a finger on it. The difference here is this wasn't inspired by God. This wasn't, this wasn't indeed inspired inspired by the Spirit of God. 
this rather was inspired from other motive, just wanting to be in with what everybody else was doing. And the question that we see here is, well, I mean, we know, we see what, what happened afterwards. After the question and answer session, Ananias, having not even disclosed under scrutiny, why is it that you've conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. And he's convicted by the Holy Spirit there. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard it. Great fear came over all who heard it. Tragic as it was, these, these two were in the gathering of those who believed. They were involved with the Holy Spirit, but remained hypocrites. Question. If I fail to ask, where are you at, child of God? Have you trusted in Jesus for salvation? Do you trust him for forgiveness of sin? Have you received the free gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of God who lives in you, and will remain in you and with you. Um, <clears throat> the question again comes to us how could we lie to God? Do you consider yourself a child of God? How did that come about? You know, was it something you did? Was it something maybe mom and dad did for you? Or was it the Holy Spirit bringing you into Christ? Understand something. God is with us all the time. God is with us, child of God. And Paul asked the Corinthian church this question. Do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. An account of this great fear over, I mean, came over all who heard it. Sapphira came back home a couple of hours, three hours later, same thing, same answer. And Peter asked the question, why is it that you've agreed together to put to test the spirit of the Lord. I mean, this kind of got me thinking. I'm thinking, ah, if we talk about this, I hope no one's going to get freaked out. Because if just for every time we walk contrary to the spirit of God, every time we walk contrary to the word of God, Every time we uh, walk contrary to what God commands, God actually sees. God's with us. God bears witness to this. He sees it. He's grieved. He's hurt. If every time this happens, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's no surprise then. What happened? That great fear came over all who heard it. And in fact, in verses 11 and 13, 
we read that great fear came over the whole church, those within the church, and yeah, that's healthy. It should be the case. It should be the case. Every time I pause and just think, boy, those times I've wandered in my mind. Imagine just taking God with me, wandering. Places I've been in thought, places I've been in deed. God with me. Wow. It's scary. It is scary indeed, and that's a healthy fear. But check this, not just the church should be concerned, but verse 13 says, but none of the rest dared to associate with them. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you died, if you just dropped dead for being a hypocrite, I'd be careful probably to get involved because I don't want to be a part of it. Not until I'm good enough. You know, you've heard that kind of, that kind of remark before. Not until I'm good enough. You know, I'm not, I'm, not good, I'm not good enough for God right now. But that is a challenge. Expressing the grace of God. Expressing the kindness of God. Expressing the love of God. It's something we can only do through God who enables us. So, where are we, church? Will we trust the Lord? Would we obey the Lord? Would we walk with God and um, indeed, rather than, and it's something that's so easy to fall into, so easy to do, rather than fake it, actually commit ourselves to, to, the, to, to God completely. It's a challenge to walk with God. But you know, God enables us, even by his Holy Spirit, even by God with us. So, I'm mindful of the time. Um, I know I, when I spoke with the guys, I said, this is probably just going to be the point we just need to make. It's really simple. See, we're at a time where, as a church... Somebody may say, oh boy, 16 years old. Yes, we're growing still. And by the grace of God, we'll continue to grow in these respects. We'll grow in our relationship with God. We'll grow in fellowship with Him. We'll grow even in the knowledge of God as well. But two things, just two challenges that I've highlighted today in terms of bearing witness, in terms of declaring our faith, declaring what we believe in God. We can overcome the challenges of even being opposed, being threatened, being ridiculed, being pushed out of the public space. We can overcome these through the power of God with us. We can grow in this through the power that God gives us. And in expressing the grace of God and the kindness of God, we can actually stand, sincerely declare a true faith in God, a true outworking 
sharing, sharing the gifts of God that he has given to us through the person of God in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, the call at this point is this. Um, indeed, in this, in this message, God is really revealing his forbearance with us. He's really revealing his patience with us. I don't know if you've had anybody move in or stay with you, a visitor, temporarily. <laughs> I had a very big sigh right there. <laughs> Just stay with you temporarily. And you get to the point where you're, ah, okay now, when is your flight? <laughs> you know? No, no worry, I'll take leave. I'll, I'll take you back to the airport myself. Don't worry, you'll be fine. <laughs> no big deal. But in this case, we haven't got a visitor. We actually have God with us. Jesus told the disciples, and you will see God at work. He told the disciples, I will not leave you without another comforter. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I'll ask the Father and he'll send you another comforter and he will be with you. That includes us. That's for everyone who comes to Christ. Every one of us. This, this visitor is not a visitor. This is God with us. Come to stay. Come, to, come alongside to help us. Come alongside to walk with us. Um, if he seems like someone, ah, I don't really know this person you're talking about. I thought it was just a case of, okay, it's okay to know about God so long as he's outdoors, long as he's not right in my life and living here with me in my space. Do you not know? that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives, who dwells with you and that you are not your own child of God. This has been a very challenging, um, very challenging message for me personally because... Um, I mean, it's just opened my eyes so much to see that <laughs> coming to Christ and coming to know God is more than just having it all locked down up there. Like preparing for a professional exam. You can get the points and just go for the exam and finish ah, and rest. I've passed. No, he's with us still. The exam continues. And we can only get better with God with us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, you have encouraged 
me personally. Even standing to say, God is with me, is a great joy, is a great delight, is a great encouragement to know. Lord, for many of us, we walk through life as though your word is not enduring, as though your word is not everlasting, as though Going out to bear witness is something that belongs to when you were here, Jesus, and not for now, when you are here, even with us, dwelling in us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you. I pray, liberate every soul here, every child that you have begotten even with the knowledge of you being with us, even through the knowledge of you being with us, your word says that through this you have given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, that even, through, even in this we might have hope. It is not an empty hope. Even for those who are persecuted for what they believe and declare, Father, let there be encouragement today. For those who are ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, let there be a boldness today. Um, and for every other way that you have given us to express your gifting, your power at work, even in the world through us. For how can we expect that <laughs> your will be done on earth if not through these vessels, Lord, encourage and challenge us today. And let everyone go away from here declaring, indeed, God is with me. Through him I can do all things. Lord, thank you. Enable us and let your word find good ground. Even in every soul that hears this today and even afterwards, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.